A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Match Ball. Welcome to the show. It's brought to you with Levi Solicitors. They will do you a 10% discount on your legal fees at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Uh, Dan Michael and Moscow here with you post Fulham. Uh, gentlemen, have we just witnessed the end of the Jesse Marsh era? Let's fucking hope so. Um, are, you that, are you that definitive about it? Yeah. I mean, does anyone in this room, in the stadium, think he has a future at Leeds? I don't think he does. That's my no. main takeaway from the end of it is I think whatever we feel about it, whatever he tells five live, whatever the board want to do. He looks very beaten. He's mm. not got, and considering, you know, he's he's all body language and fist pumping and when we were losing the Pan City in last season and all that kind of stuff, all that seems to have uh, gone out the last two games. And if he doesn't look like he believes in it, I don't know how I can believe in it. So that's probably the time to just kind of put an end to it. It was, it, when their third goal went in, he was on the, Halfway along with Joffe, he was about to come on, and he did a little kick of a bib that was on the floor, and it was yeah. just so pathetic. He just sort of, it was like, it was not even proper frustration. It was like a, oh, for fuck, there it goes. Yeah, it was there a catch it of, uh, it was a bit caught on the cameras where he kind of turned the bench. Just like, mm. was, and yeah, once you're at that, I mean, I don't know what else he would do in that situation when you're about to win the game by bringing Joffe on for eight minutes, but then that happens just before you're about to do it. I don't know what other body language is available to you, but um, he, he does seem. The last two games, he seems to just be taking it out of all of our hands with uh, six changes and then the defeats and then him just looking like a, a shadow of the man who turned up here. Like, well, well, I hope you enjoyed your time in Leeds. <laughs> he did. He looked, he looked Jesse. Deep, didn't he? And it's worth saying as well, for the benefit of anybody who wasn't in the stadium, that he did a lap of the pitch at the end because obviously at Leicester, people were singing, where the fuck is Jesse Marsh? I think he... he thought it was important to, to face the crowd and yeah. he did and he, he was again we were talking about body language he was doing the low the low mm. applause yeah, it didn't go brilliantly for him did it and he's he, quite a lot of booze he got near to the cop and there was a football there and he booted it out towards mm. off the pitch towards the west stand with a big frustrated um, meaningful bit, that, that was a bit like the bib kick as well though. it wasn't like a hard kick really was yeah. it it was just like a ah this thing can fuck up as well yeah which is again for somebody who is very you know when you try to look at it from his point of view he's very aware of of body language and messages and what things look like and you know he's got to be sending the right messages at the right time and the last two games all the messages I feel like I've been getting from him are just like help me send me home let, let me out of this because I've I've lost um, the thread of what I'm supposed to be doing um, we've been asked by the way in the comments on YouTube because this is streamed YouTube, uh, live on YouTube for our uh, TSP Plus members thank you very much uh, people are asking did we all wear black 
in preparation for this, or is it a coincidence? Well, Moscow this is, is in, navy blue. I was going to say, Moscow's in navy blue. Yeah, I think I the th- shirt is navy blue as well, but it's been raining, so everything's turned black anyway. So I think there's a bit of that. Like my heart. A bit of it is true. Um, well, I wore a bit else's shirt. <laughs> Just to remind myself of a better time. Uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of our merch is dark coloured because it's because we cater to fat middle aged men <laughs> like us. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I I felt like wearing black today. It felt like going into a funeral. The atmosphere was really flat and tense going into it. I had a, it, I had a feeling there was going to be good backing from the crowd going into that game, but it would always be sat on a knife edge. And it didn't. It, and it kind of it didn't really turn properly, did it? No, it didn't. I re- I actually expected it to be a lot more vociferous when, particularly when the third went in. But actually, I think people were just sad. Yeah, there was an air of like, sort of grim resignation. I think it's the, yeah. probably the fairest it, way to describe it. Didn't really it. kick off, did it? The no. South Stand did join in with sacked in the morning. Yeah, the cop did quite did, a lot. Did as well, um, and I think then because I think there's an awareness that you shouldn't really be singing that about your own manager. It's not the done thing, and it seemed like that message kind of went through. It was uh, the steam was let off, and then there was the kind of the question was like, well, we probably shouldn't sing that, should we? So what are we going to sing? How about nothing? And it just turned into that for a while. I just went, well, nothing. And then um, there was a bit kicking off, not kicking off, but obviously people were just knew where uh, Radrizani and Kinnear and Orta and mm-hmm. Pete Lowey were all sitting. So they knew where to turn and shout and mutter. And what was it like gesture. over there? Because you're on that side. Um, same. Like, not really. It wasn't like a Brentford where people were trying to, last season, um, wasn't it, where people were trying to get to them or Brighton was, um, was ugly Brighton, as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but just everyone knew they're there and everybody's kind of um, when stuff's happening kind of looking over and going well have, mm. they, have they fucked off yet Angus has had a bad day hasn't he because uh, Luton got pumped by Watford earlier on in the big game good <laughs> if he if I can't enjoy myself I don't want him no. to either it, there was a chant of sat the board as well yeah there was, um, but there was never really huge enthusiasm behind any of it there was a like you say, it was it just it flattened when people realised what was happening well it's Sunday mm. afternoon yeah it's two o'clock been miserable, pissing it, pissing it down, raining. It's Fulham. There was a bit before the the last. Uh, like to talk about the game a little bit. The last ten minutes before half time, when Sinistera went down, and then Mitrovic went down, and then someone else went down, and then there was a moment when their keeper hoofed a big clearance, and then Cooper got a really good strong header on it and sent it back, and then Fulham banged it up the other end of the pitch towards Mitrovic and I was like I am back in the championship watching us just trading balls over halfway line with Fulham and Mitrovic and um, it, and that 10 minutes just felt it felt boring at that point it was mm. like I was just bored by what's happening and then the second half was a bit we had some moments um, but the second goal there's a lot wrong with the second goal that I think probably is maybe that might be the moment when I feel like there's no there was no coming back from that one. Yeah, I think I think there's no way back when, for me, it was like a perfect example of it just being fragile. We had moments, mm. like so we had some moments, but it's, it all just felt fragile. Is the only word I can I can sort of think of um, that it could turn just very very quickly and confidence would shatter and nothing would work. What mm. what happened on the second goal that makes me feel it was significant was there was the corner and we cleared it, and then the balls played back out to the side where the corner was taken, and there was three Leeds players. Um, I can only remember Stroke as one. I can't remember the other two. I think Martin Rocker might have been out there. I can't remember. Harrison maybe as well. But three Leeds players sort of going out there and none of them could decide which one should go to the player with the ball. And they were just standing looking at each other going, which one of us is supposed Mm. to do this? Shouldn't it be all of them? Well, and (laughs) and then there was a cross came in and those three players are completely out of the game. 
which meant uh, it was uh, Bobby Decodova Reed. It was was unmarked to head because while they were trying to decide who should press the player on the ball, nobody has decided who should mark this player that is also available. So there was, and it just felt like a so well it broken down, didn't it? Well, it a just... well coached team knows what it's doing in those situations. There, like is... you, there was another example as well. You know, in Sam Greenwood, just before he got taken off, he picked up the ball in the deep line midfield position. I think one of their attacks broke down or whatever. And I think we, we might have been losing by this point. Can't quite remember. And Click was stood out over by the east stand. And the obvious ball was to Click. And he tried to loft it over, but that then gave the Fulham player enough time to kind of get back and, um, and intercept it or challenge Click. And you thought it needs to be kind of drilled on the floor quickly to him if you're going to move it like that. And I think that was probably a perfect encapsulation of when the confidence just drops and they start to second guess themselves and they don't quite think fast enough um, and maybe the tactical instruction just isn't there. That's what you were talking about there, Moscow. The words that I kind of pick, picked up on is it's about a well-coached team, well, isn't it? Thinking back to when we played Scotty Parker's Fulham and he said uh, we were predictable patterns of play or whatever and I'm thinking, what I wouldn't give for a, a pattern of play because there's just nothing. No, it's but shapeless a lot of the time, it's, isn't it? It's, it looks like they've just been sent out to to have a kick around. I don't. Mm. I can't see any attacking structure at all. And defensively, we're just shit. Like the set pieces were a massive problem today. But I mean, there was the the early chance they had as well. I think it was Harrison Reed who I know scored against Villa, didn't he? But he, he very rarely scores. So it was probably good that it fell to him. But like just that diagonal ball in behind fullback guesses every yeah. single time. And then also in the first half. We had a corner and then five seconds later they were through on goal. And it's like, how, how the fuck has this happened? Yeah. Like, it, we're just bad, yeah. basically. Mm. We're, we're bad at defending. We're not organised, And we? we are bad at attacking. And what's kind of strange about that is until the last week and apart from Brentford, I would call us better defensively than we had been. It mm. felt like we weren't... We were obviously always at risk to a counter, but teams weren't capitalising. And set pieces had become less of an issue. We weren't... There wasn't that fear of us conceding. Um, every single time but then for some reason it is sort of in the last week and since the international break when we had um, and obviously the the games called off when there was time to practice these things we seem to have got worse mm-hmm. um, and that's kind of the the story of the Chelsea game as well where we, we hit that height and you think oh well actually this could all turn out very well 3-0 against a Champions League team um, felt like the vibes carried us through on that day didn't it you know like we're just mm-hmm. the, the kind of like riding the crest of that momentum wave when we got in front and yeah. the crowd was all behind it. But that has to start from somewhere. And yeah. we, mm. we did play well. It wasn't, I do know what you mean about the, the positivity really helped. And Brendan, the way Brendan Aronson scored that goal to sort of start, it really gave the thing a lift and put us in the mood to do it. Um, but we were, apart from that, the game's either, what were the results at the start of the season? We weren't getting smashed. We beat Wolves, didn't we? And then beat Chelsea. And yeah. And eight, eight points from the first five games, Moscow. Makes and us it, safe. And it should have been more. We should have beaten Southampton. Yeah. Should have, made, should have made us safe, but where am I in the league? Well, 19th. 96% of teams stay up. If there's a 4% mm. that we can find, we will find it. Well, we still might. We yeah, still I mean, and, and this is this is the argument for making the change, isn't it? Like, I just I, I just feel sad about it all, really. It's mm. sadly that it's just un, unraveled. It just seems pointless and um, incompetent yeah. and uh, just infuriating that we seem to have got back to this um, point when it would be, you know, it's wishful thinking, but wouldn't it be nice if we were just good? Yeah. <laughs> like, whatever your opinions are about the style of play and Marsh as a manager and anything else and the board and whatever, wouldn't it just be so much easier if we just went well and rode and we were good and we won? I felt Not like- even every week, just like sometimes. And yeah. like and enough to not be in this situation after 11 games where it's where the only uh, conclusion is... 
um, the coach getting sacked and then we just start the whole fucking mm. thing again. I think today it looked like pretty much everyone has lost belief in it. Mm. Like the players have, the crowd have. But when, when Fulham scored, it was like, oh well, yeah. no surprise, yeah. fine. And I noticed after they, the second Fulham goal, which was... There was still 20 minutes left, wasn't there, about yeah. at that point? Yeah. There was absolutely zero reaction on the restart. Like, the crowd couldn't even be bothered to kind of go... Oh, come on, Leeds. Yeah. Come on, we've still got time. We can get back so into this. Everyone just went... You saw it in the players. There was that kind of that... They trying were, to stir the air. Everyone sort do, of went... Yeah. Oh, here we are again. Singing, sack the board. That was sort, the main preoccupation. It's sort of over with. There was yeah. one little bit at the start of the of the second half where I think it was triggered by Ailing having, having brought it down his chest and had a shot. Mm. And for five minutes after that, the crowd got going. But it didn't really lead to anything. And the changes again just I mean Somerville death thought it did alright when he came on yeah Gelhart put him through almost I, I was convinced that that was going to be ruled out by VAR you know when the, when the ref just stopped oh, yeah, yeah they were looking the, for offside they checked oh, yeah, right. yeah and I just fine. thought what a perfect if, if this is to be the end of March what a perfect encapsulation of his era of having a goal ruled out for offside right yeah. at the end Gelhart got his usual six minutes or whatever he, whatever time Did he, he deserves he got this well yeah he's, he set up that goal so yeah. it's almost like I sort of zoned out by that point could have brought him on I actually missed that I actually missed the Mitrovic goal my phone buzzed in my pocket just as he put that in so I, I glanced down at my like my pocket and was it, Melier at fault for that in. as well yeah but it should never have got to that it's, I, I, I'd like to see it from the start because I and I shouldn't talk about only having seen out the corner of my eye I'm trying to work out who had Mitrovic first um, by the time it's in Ailing is chasing after him at the front post and it should never have got to that and then he glances his header and it Melier gets a hand to it and you'd you'd want Melier to stop it. But mm-hmm. that header should never have um, been allowed to happen. And I had a feeling, I think, because Stroke was ma- marking Mitrovic on every other corner, and I need to see a replay from the very start to see whether he'd already whether he ran off Strauch, because I can see on some of the replays Strauch kind of appearing like, oh shit. <laughs> but I don't know whether it's because He's just seen the danger he's trying to get there or because he'd lost um, Mitrovic way back and he was trying to catch up. But, you know, Mark Mitrovic, yep. don't let him head it at the near post and then whether your goalkeeper stops it or not becomes a um, a moot point. But um, but he was getting away a few times um, too easily and, uh, yeah, we didn't deal with him very well at all. We did in, I guess, in open play, although we had some chances, but um, Mitrovic from corners is something that... <laughs> Got to keep an eye on that, lads. A really big man who's got it heading a ball. Yeah. Jamie's in the comments on YouTube saying he's never seen me looking so defeated. I'm not particularly defeated. I'm just fed up of it being shit. That's all. I just like, as Moscow said, it boils down to nothing more simple than I just want to watch Leeds being good and it's not at the minute. And I can't see it improving is the, yeah. is the real problem. Yeah, like, I think that's, you know, when Phil um, said on the show on Friday, like he didn't think there was a way back for Marsh from this. I was, I was slightly surprised at that. But then he got in there today and you saw how the team responded to the equalising goal and just watched that confidence evaporate and I see what he means mm. it is hard when you mix in the dropping confidence of the players and um, the crowd just turning mm. that it's all just sort of disintegrating in some ways I suppose in that regard I feel like in some ways a defeat is actually better than a draw today because at least it probably puts an end to it rather real, than... rips the plaster <laughs> off the wound there is some real tactical clarity there um, where when... the comments are coming in by the way from the press conference have you seen yeah. these, these coming in just before on that um, on the is there any way back and then we'll see what he's saying um Leicester are interesting because we went there on Thursday and um, most of the coverage after the match as well was like, um, if Brendan Rodgers had lost this, that would be it for him. Sacked, that's the end of it. He's put all the pressure now on Jesse Marsh and then Leicester go today and they won 4-0. Mm. And so when you, so on the one hand, 
I could see what Phil meant about there is no way back for Jesse Marsh after Thursday. But if we had gone out against Fulham today, smashed them 4-0, big response, everybody's back on it, and the six changes all worked and every player that he put on was amazing, and then Ellen Road was bouncing at the end and then we go into the Liverpool game and we do what Forrest did to them and we beat them as well back and then it, we'd, we'd probably just end up back here again in well, six it's, weeks. It's, it's fine margins in football, isn't it? I think that the, point that the point that Phil made, which is what you just said about being back here in six weeks, is that confidence in Marsh and his plan uh, has got to a point yeah. where it's it's just way for thin, isn't it? Then yeah. everyone can see that the, the maybe the Red Bull stuff. For me, personally, I watch it and I, I'm like you, I don't particularly like how it, mm. how it plays it works, out. It but, if, but if it works and we win, then you, you tolerate anything. But and the other thing with Brendan Rodgers, it will be interesting to see. Okay, so they're beating us, they're beating Wolves four 0 You know, are they going to give him? Does he get a new contract now? And then they're all brilliant and shiny happy for the rest of the season, or do they just start losing games and then they sack him later as well? It's mm. um, that's where I suppose there is a way back because there is always a way back because if you just take the team up into mid-table win games and then you're alright yeah and you win the games we were 14th for about 4 minutes today but if we had um, <laughs> if we had won 4-0 today there still would have been that feeling of like is this a bit of an illusion and you wouldn't have had the answer either way against mm-hmm. Liverpool because you just got out well, against Liverpool and then there's only a couple of games left before December I think that's what Angus Kinnear was uh, trying to say without saying anything in his programme. No, what, he's got like, until the World Cup? Yeah, let's just, let's just hope it gets better before the World Cup and then and then maybe we won't have to do anything and um, and let's let's hope some of your criticism is justified next time. Mm. Anyway, what's Marsh saying? No, he's just sort of saying we keep finding ways to lose games. Every game's in the balance. Is that, sorry, uh, I thought for a moment you were like, this is his way out of it. He's like, no, we're going to keep finding ways to lose games. Well, the, the, the start of that comment that I didn't, actually say that is that um, Fulham are finding ways to win we're finding ways to lose oh, every okay. game's in the balance and he's taking responsibility for it as well which is you know fair, fair play to him for for that and on the question of no striker being brought in in the summer I'm not going to start playing hindsight or throwing any, anyone under the bus I'm looking at myself which is fair enough yeah yeah. I mean he's got he's got players apart from Rodrigo and I know Rodrigo scored but um, he's headed it into an open goal while um, Fulham's defender just looks at his stomach um, it is weird he just kind of turns around it's like he's transfixed by Rodrigo it's like, wow look at it oh it's Rodrigo it's he luscious, played, luscious bouncing hair he played for Valencia and then he heads it in but then the next thing Rodrigo did was try to play a ball down the line for Sinister he just booted it out in the south stand mm-hmm. and there, was, there was that moment when he got in behind as well um, behind the fullback and he just needed to cross, put it across and he just fucked it yeah. but it's yeah. um, you know was supposed to be I felt like you know I was defending the underuse of Gelhart last season because like, oh, he's got a feel his way into the Premier League but by the end of it right he's had that season of feeling his way into the Premier League and everybody's saying the board is saying we don't need to sign a striker because we've got Gelhard I agree with that so fucking play, play the little bastard I think it doesn't make any sense does it if he's not being kept out of the team by people in good form no both Rodrigo and Bamford are playing terribly you would. If, we're, if we're being honest about it because I mean Bamford came on I thought he was shit today was Bamford I didn't think he did anything. He came on and missed a de- he missed a decent chance as well. Again, trying that to hit, was a good save. Trying to hit with his left foot again yeah, though. Yeah, he needed lifting, um, didn't that one? Did it? Did just use your right foot, Pat. I think it was too close. It's. I watched the replay quite slowly because I wanted to know was it a miss or was it a save, and it looked like a good save. Mm. Um, I think his touch is good and um, puts it where he wants it onto his foot, and then he's it's close to being under Leno. It's a good save, I think. Apart from that. There was one great cross from Ailing, which seems to be one of the things he brought, was uh, pinging in crosses like the old days. I was going to say, I went, well, hey, a cross at that point. 
And I, remember I remember it fondly, that one. Bamford watched it and was like, oh, probably should have been in there. But it's um, it feels like we're using Gelhart where we should be using Perkins. Like, if a player is scoring, mm. an 18-year-old is scoring goal after goal, or even Matteo Joseph is scoring goal after goal in the under-21s, that's the player who you're sticking on for 10 minutes at the end. Gelhart is being constantly put into this situation where he's being asked to save the day, um, which is too much responsibility um, because of the stage he's at. It's yep. not just like, oh, let's see if this kid can can do something. Last season was, let's see if this kid can do something. He answered a lot of questions then and talked himself into being, or played himself into being used more this season. Time, it should progress, and he's progressed, and he should be at the point where he gets more than that, and then somebody else behind him. Um, who we have, we have these kids in the under-21s who were worth five minutes at the end, maybe not today, but... And the other thing with Gohart is he comes on and he sets up a goal. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Just to answer one thing about uh, Kevin in the comments is asking about Sinistero being taken off. Why is he always taken off? He was in, he was carrying an injury in that second half. I mean, when he got injured at the first half, he indicated to come off straight away. He mm. went he went down after about he was saying that he needed, I, minutes. I think he was saying he needed attention, like this some, some, something isn't right here. Oh, I thought he was giving it that I'm injured and need to go off. Well, I think he, he did the... Oh, right, really, maybe he I think did. He, I think he did that as he went down. I saw him wave, because he did that kind of Strauch-style uh, tackle that um, broke Harvey mm. Elliott's leg, didn't he, and scooped the ball out. And he injured himself in that, and you could see he was quite heavy-legged after that. And he, he wasn't moving as and linking up as, mm. as well as you might want him to. Um, and then I think he went into another thing just after that, and that's when he signalled to the board, uh, to the board, to the, um, to the, what's that thing called? Him. Dugout. Sack him. <laughs> Signal to the dugout, just saying like, I need attention. Then the, the physio came on, but even going into half-time, that last five minutes before half-time, he was uh, sort of limping around. Then when he came back off, he didn't seem as mobile as he was in that first mm. half, because he was causing them problems. Mm. Yeah, but yeah, I, I didn't think he was right. I, did Bamford injure himself again as well? He did look like it at the end, it yeah. Looked, it looked like he'd done his Achilles. Or maybe his car. Let's, just let's, to, just to... let's start from like mildly twisted ankle and leave the Achilles severed. It's fully, <laughs> it's absolutely detached. But yeah, he'd uh, he'd gone for a cross at the near post and he got up and he was he was giving a, a bit of a hop and a jump yeah, and a skip. And I didn't like the look of it. A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
I mean, I don't know enough about football to answer this question definitively, but my big fear about Marsh is that he's all vibes and not mm. enough about tactics. And the he's got the Red Bull manual, and when it doesn't work, it, it terrifies me. <laughs> I mean, one of the one of the concerns I had about him at the start was that it sounds like he has essentially copied everything Ralph Ranick told him. He's gone, all right, I'll do all that, but he's not Ralph Ranick. So when something needs adapting. He just has to go, oh, I'll do a Jesse Marsh bit on this now. And that's not... It's like is, someone... is that reflected in the team changes and the subs and stuff like that? Do you think? Because I think everybody to a man and a woman um, looked at the team changes and went, oh, that's, that feels like a bit of a Hail Mary. Greenwood did, yeah, in particular. Why doesn't Click play? Yeah. And that's in that situation. Greenwood was fine today. Um, good bits, bad bits. But it's strange that uh, Click doesn't get the nod in that situation mm-hmm. when what, what if, kind of, if Adams is out well um, what vexed me and, and it goes back to what I was saying about Greenwood before and it's the same for all the midfielders even Rocker and Rocker's got a little bit of quality about him he can kind of pick a pass and, and thread a ball through people a lot of them so many times don't seem to have any options on no. when we pick up the ball and you think well what are you going to do now and they'll, they'll tippy tap it around at the back to try and draw the centre forward on and then play around the centre forward and that's when it tends to open up a little bit so that might be part of the tactics I don't mm-hmm. really know but it's quite frustrating I'm, to watch, isn't it? The 100 to 70 stuff. I'm just looking, I'm, I, mean, no, I knew I'd written it down somewhere in my notes, 30 minutes, I put, we're shit, no movement, no width. Yeah. And it, that, it was exactly that situation you're describing where you see a player with the ball and you think, well, what's he meant to do with it? Like no one's, it feels like no one wants it. Yeah. And if they get it, there's, there's not, they don't know what the next pass is going to be. Whereas good teams know, know exactly, you, get, you give it to me, you go there, there's movement on the outside, you know, the, the work on actual moves, it just doesn't look like we do any of it. I don't know if we, I don't know what we do in training. Because it doesn't, it doesn't rondos. Seem... Well, is that it? Yeah. <laughs> Just uh, rondos are good. And I don't know if the, the defensive training rondos all revolves around <laughs> us attacking in a narrow way against a narrow defense, so it's fine. But then we, the defense gets into an actual game, and they're like, "Oh shit, these players are standing out on the wings." I don't know what we do now. Just do a rondo. Well, James is uh, James is in the comments just saying it says, "Okay, guys, um, gag and pressing has existed before Red Bull. Klopp did it at Dortmund and played narrow." Um, played pretty narrow to start with though when he was at Liverpool. But he changed because mm. the Premier League demanded it. Yeah, and he got better players as well, didn't he? Think the, yeah. the overall of the team. Um, and yeah, it did exist before um, Red Bull, but the particular Red Bull flavour, I mean, I don't think it's controversial to um, position Jesse Marsh, who described himself as a company man, within the context of the organisation that he worked for for eight years. He was at uh, New York, then assistant at Leipzig, then coach at Salzburg, then coach at Leipzig, where he got sacked. Well, left, didn't he? Didn't go well. Um, and then this is his first, since he had his job in, was he at Montreal, where he said he tried to just be Bob Bradley and was terrible, and then he went around the world for a year um, and came back and then met Gerard Houllier Ralph Rangnick and learned all that stuff. That's who he learned it from. Um, he didn't learn it from uh, Dortmund. He learned it in-house from the Red Bull crew. So um, what was interesting as well today was that Franz Schema, who was his assistant last season and his assistant at Red Bull was there. He's been, he changed his job after last season to being a, um, a Salzburg-based consultant because he decided he didn't want to, I mean, it's the perfect lifestyle really, and live in Salzburg and just watch Leeds games and what sending him tapes of training, I think was part of it. He could just be on Zoom going like, Jesse, too many more, rondos. More rondos. Um, but he was there in the uh, the press area with the with the the analysts. Um, and I don't know if he's been at recent games or if it's kind of a Franz help. 
I need you. I need you here, not in uh, in Salzburg. I know. I know you told me town. off. You told me off, didn't you, about wanting better players, Moscow? But that might your, your your declaration earlier that you just want Leeds to be good, and mm. my declaration I want better players. I think we're singing from the same hymn sheet, basically. And uh, Joe's in the comments on YouTube saying second season in a row that the board have ignored clear squad deficiencies, and it's so do you want, true. Do you want a tweet about the board from uh, Adam Pope? I'd love one. Jesse Marsh says he's spoken to the board tonight and they're backing him. Right. That's good, isn't More it? More good judgment. I think it's, um, I just find that it's just a bit of a frustrating dead end of a conversation because um, every team would be better if it signed better players. And then, so it, it always just feels like I don't know where to go after that because it's, it's yeah, just no, a right. truism. But then, um, and also I feel like the, cho- the choices they've made shouldn't put us back this far that, you know, Rodrigo and Bamford should be able to do whatever we need up front. One's a thirty million pound Spanish international, the other one's played for England and scored seventeen goals in the Premier League. So it's not a big leap to think they should do it again. And then Furpo should be better than he is. And then I kind of I was thinking about that more during the week and the whole kind of thing because I keep coming up with these like theories of like, no, no, the rational explanation for this is like maybe because we're being linked with that left back who's at is he at Philadelphia Union who'll be available in January. Kai Wagner. Yeah. So maybe like that's why they they've they've held on so we can get a better player if we just wait a couple of months. So I come up with these rationalisations that think like, oh, so that's that's okay. Then I think, am I actually thinking about this more than they are? And that actually, they are just like fucking up constantly. And I'm seeing things in it where it's like, oh no, there's actually some some sound good sense there. And they're just like, oh fucking hell, he's apparently we're doing a great job. And like whether I'm I'm thinking them into doing mm-hmm. good things, whereas actually they are just incompetent idiots who wouldn't know a good left back and couldn't find one if I've, he was if he was in their garden. Well, I think that. Conversation extends just into Victor Orta, really, um, in particular. And because Marsh is his man, as we understand it. He's his man playing his players. Yeah, so. I was going to say there's a lot of his players in there. And <laughs> so I, he's, he's got to take, carry the can and, just and as and much as Marsh This is not has. about the players being Spanish, but a lot of the Spanish players that he's that he signed are, I think, uh, not necessarily money well spent, shall we say, mm. um, for the return that we're getting from some of them. And it's not just them. Um, yeah, neither are any of these ones. No. No. I mean, he's done. I mean, it's, a, it's for probably a full podcast of its own. He's done some good things as Arthur. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But, but the, the youth setup has improved a lot. Yeah, and the young players he's brought in fantastic. But the headline signings and the managerial appointments, Bielsa, the, the obvious exception, have been disastrous. I was going to say Bielsa, in many ways, is the ultimate expression of of what a hipster would like in charge of their football club. And Arthur always strikes me as a bit of a football hipster. You know, in, in terms mm. of the way that he. He wants like he wants someone like Thomas Christiansen, who's inexperienced, to develop alongside the team. And I think they were tapping into a similar sort of thing with Jesse Marsh. Is that he's got something to prove um, rather yeah. than like Bielsa, for example, had nothing to prove in order to get the job. And you know some of the other candidates they might have thought of for the job who could maybe just go, oh, I don't need this, and walk away. Well, this experience as well. Did did you tell me this that they were they wanted? They want that. They want a coach that they can grow with so they deliberately turned away from more experience. Yeah, someone like Valverde, for example, yeah. would have been similar to Bielsa in that he didn't really need the job, didn't really mm. need to be here. They wanted somebody like Marsh who had something to prove, who yeah. has, has had an upward trajectory but has, has taken a bit of a, a lull. And the idea is that they have room to grow and they will develop alongside the club. But the problem is if you get a coach at that stage of their career, they are necessarily imperfect. Otherwise, there would not be room to grow and improve and learn. And that is not necessarily compatible with the first 11 games of a Premier League season because that's the point at which they're learning. And this is, you can talk about Jesse Marsh right now. Maybe if he did this for three years, at the end of it, he would be a perfect, brilliant 
experienced Premier League coach who can make the the right tactical decisions before a match and the, all these substitutions are really effective and everybody's really well coached. But without that three years to develop and grow and improve, um, he won't get to that stage. He and, will, I'm going to say he will not be a Premier League coach if we keep him. Ever. And <laughs> by the time we get to that, that time passes, we'll be relegated because all his mistakes happen now while he's got to develop. So it's not, it's a, it's a great and there, is, and there isn't room to do to make those mistakes, quite frankly, no, exactly. with the Premier League. Not with, 20, not with 20 teams in it and 14, 14 of them are scrambling so to you, stay up. So you either uh, go for an, in, in, relatively inexperienced coach, and let's you know be fair to um, Wes Marsh. Before, he had half a season in the Bundesliga. He was there before as an assistant coach, but this is the first time he's coaching outside of MLS and Austria. Um, and if you're going to go with that and you're going to decide, right, we need to this is going to be the guy for the long term and he will have to improve quickly, then you can't make any decisions on him in the first 11 games because obviously he's going to make loads of mistakes in the first 11 games because he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing yet. And so it's it's by choice. You are choosing a, a manager yeah. to be in charge at the time of their career when they are most likely to make loads of mistakes. So there's an arrogance that baked into that. That's what I think is um, the point I was getting at with regards to Orta. They think that we can wing it and have these projects. Like it's been um, pointed out by um, Chris, who's um, LUFC Texas here in the comments, upward trajectory followed by a lull. Sounds like Furport Barcelona. Exactly. These mm. are the type of players that they've been trying to, to mm. sign. The little projects, the fixer-uppers, and it's not being good enough, quite no. frankly. Um, and you know, you repeatedly make a, these a, manager, a managerial equivalent of Junior Furpo is the last thing any club in the world needs. No, exactly. You don't, <laughs> you don't, we don't need the fixer-uppers. Sometimes this going. Back, I mean, it's, I mean, we always speak with hindsight as well, which is one of the you know the big it's things about this. One of the big benefits. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. But think of like going back to when we were trying to recruit a left back, and we were all saying, "Get a fucking left back. Just get you know, if you can get Matt Target from Villa or whatever, do go do that." Because he was about the same price as Junior Firpo. Now we don't know what the relative wages are, so there's always that to factor in. And I think did we give Firpo a pay rise? Probably, but he was. I think he was on quite low wages at Barcelona. If the the leaked salaries uh, there are true, he was on like under twenty grand a week or something like that. It was very very low relative to Premier League money. So that might be a, fa- a factor. But even just go do the obvious thing. Sometimes just do the solid obvious thing. But we could, you know, we could go around the houses on this forever and ever and ever. I mean, so. the, one of the other things that, that this sort of comes down to as well was the um, a lot of the talk last season with the the board and kind of some of the things Kinnear said is about Marcelo Bielsa having too much control and that they'd given too much of the club over to him. That that um, fucking Ellie was saving them from a lot. Is what well, he was doing. He masked that the, their shortcomings. Exactly. So I mean, um, on, we've seen the club both before Bielsa and after Bielsa with uh, the board in control. And I think I liked the bit when Bielsa had too much control yeah. a little bit more. Even uh, the last season, and then we can talk, well, it's all getting into tangents now, but there's um, a lot of last season happened after they'd started talking to Jesse Marsh, didn't it? So what's yeah. the what was the direction of thought from the board and the, the coach? I and mean, that's the thing as well with Marsh, is that this isn't just, it wasn't, a, he didn't just turn up last spring They've been talking to him for how long was lockdown before that? More than a year. Um, deciding, right, no, this is going to be the the guy. We're going to bring him in. It's going to he will. Um, even if it hadn't been when it was, it was going to be this summer. So that's why I keep. Well, I was just going to just going to say that Moscow. Yeah, that was a thought running through my mind. Take Bielsa out of this situation. Mm-hmm. They were always going to put Martian in the summer, and they were always going to sign these players because we knew Brendan Aronson was was slated, and um, um, or at least they were always going to sign players that would suit him. 
because they have, um, that was this, what we are seeing now was the plan that they were working towards, regardless of what Marcelo Bielsa was doing at all. Um, he was almost irrelevant to it all. There was just this other thing going on that like, this is, this is how we'll take the club forward. And we don't look, um, like we're going forward at all. It would be, and it would be so much easier if, if we did, if we just, <laughs> we, did, we scored yeah. twice, so we must be going forwards in some respects. Hey, mm. God, uh, I mean, we did, did we start, did we start all right? There were bits that we were okay. Well, in fact, yeah, we yeah, started we did. on we top. Did, yeah. It took ages for Fulham to but sort it, of lay it, But it crumbled so easily. And it just, it, it, teams can have chances without doing anything against us. That's the thing that, mm. that for us to create a chance, it feels like we have to have 15 minutes of sustained pressure. And then eventually out of that comes a chance. It feels like opposition teams just, just occasionally twat one over the top and they throw on goal and it's like it's just so easy to play against us part of me does wonder I mean we've talked about there the, the difference in short term and long term part of me is like I'd kind of like Marsh to limp to the World Cup um, and then give him that time to sort it out and then see if maybe after 20-30 games he is the answer and this is all great Do you know, even, I'd love mate, to believe it, in it even if we limp to the World Cup I'm not convinced he survives I'm really not not, not convinced he survives I, tomorrow. I think, to be I think there's probably a sense in the club that you, yeah. that the the crowd are just not are just not buying it, and I'm I'm not convinced tactically. And you have to imagine that, given how kind of reactionary Radrazani was with Bielsa, like losing his shit with the three three at Villa, that mm. similar feelings have probably um, descended on the uh, on the boardroom. Just on Maybe the boardroom, we'll just by the way. wait until there's uh, until after the next transfer window, and then. And then do it. Sack somebody and bring somebody else in who can't have any more of their own players. We know that Pete, Pete Lowe has been here today. Um, and John Miniches, who's in the comments on YouTube, saying the 49ers need to pull the finger out and buy us or jog on. The limbo at the top doesn't help. I agree with that completely. I think Radrazani has probably stayed too long. I think we tr- they tried to rebuild in this summer. It's still not been enough by the looks of it. Or maybe it has been. We might find out if he does go and they replace him with somebody else that we have we have got enough. It is but all it Marsh's fault. But on the evidence so far, it doesn't feel like it, does it? It's weird because I think the signings of this summer, I'm sort of all right with all of them. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't think any of them are terrible. I know, I know. Chris, it's, it's, it's the left back situation, the failure bit, to get forward, isn't it? That's not the only reason we're losing games. No, it's not, it? but it, but it's the, these are the glaring I mean, holes in the squad. I mean, Pascal, I, again, I do, I do have tactical doubts. Yes. Yeah, Pascal Stroik is playing all right at left back. Like we've got a decent left back. The, the only downside is it's Pascal Stroik. Yeah. Um, and then up front, yeah. You, I think there's more to to it than just those, but. Michael was about to praise all that new signing. Well, Correctly. But no, I, I don't think any of them are individually bad players, but I just think playing in this way, is, it's just not working. I, I, it's funny, even though Brendan Aronson is very much of the Red Bull school, I think it's sort of wasting him a little bit at times because he's, he's dead good at turning on the ball and getting his body in front of people. He's still lightweight and needs to bulk up and stuff, which I think will happen mm-hmm. in time with the with the Premier League and he'll become a smart footballer. As you say, maybe he needs three seasons in order to, uh, well, to yeah. develop Moscow. But he, I think he's not best deployed in the stuff that he's doing, this kind of pick it up and just drive for the box relentlessly. Sometimes they need to be a bit smarter and give each other options. Well, the yeah. thing is as well, in a different system, picking up and driving for the box probably becomes easier if you've got with because it splits the defence more and yeah. it, it's just not running into such a wall every time, which is how it feels. Create more room to play. Mm. Um, I mean, it was the through ball from Aronson that set up Bamford for that one-on-one was beautiful and was also like a really good example of kind of the instinctive Red Bull school of like he's, he's in the sort of 10 position weighs a, a beautiful little ball into the striker right into the middle of loads and loads of players and the keepers rushing out and then but then it is you try yeah it creates these it's weird because it as a style it seems geared towards making bad players play better collectively because they don't have to 
be so precise. It's all mm. about kind of get it. It's a bit mixer-ish where it's like, if we just aim for the penalty spot and then somebody will be there and we'll pounce and we'll score. So it's not, you don't have to worry about whether um, your midfield can artfully create and carve out an opportunity. You can just, you know, if they're a bunch of cloven hoofed idiots, then they can just bang the ball forward. So um, it kind of creates this, um, because it grew out of this school of football development. So you've got this unevenness in the teams like Salzburg, where they've got some really good players like an Erling Haaland, who they know is going to be a superstar. And they've got some other players who are just like Austrian league players who are never going to really do much. So they have to find this way of getting them all to play together. And that's how they do it. And it, but it seems to create much more difficulty for a player like Bamford in the box who needs, he just doesn't seem to be able to finish those little chances that this creates. And then it also, when you take a player like Brendan Aronson and Luis Sinistera and even, uh, why even, but Jackie Harrison, three really good attackers who seem to have brains and ideas and stuff that they can do with the football that is uh, creative and fun and cool. But they have to stop doing all that to do this kind of stuff that's geared the, the to lesser stuff. players. Yeah, and, and <laughs> yeah. it does feel like there's um, there's a lot of quality there that is being... It's been overlooked, uh, isn't it? It's been uh, suppressed. down yeah. on, suppressed by, by what they're being asked to do. And, it, and it's not like we're doing that because we're being dour and defensive, because we're not defensive. Like, if, it's, if you had... And I know some of the names that have been people are now talking about as our next manager potentially at the at the more um, the more Brexit end of it. You've got Dalich, but yeah. then you've got like Rafa Benitez being linked mm. to them, and some of his teams have actually been really pretty awful to watch. But they they sort of are good defensively. They they're good at what they're they're aiming to do. Whereas this, I don't. I'm just, I mean, I've, I've got in front of me the replay of the Bobby Dekordova-Rigo. Fucking hell. He's got like 10 yards either side yeah. of him and a, and a full goal in exactly. front of him. Exactly, and you'll see the three players trying to decide which one of us is supposed to go out and, and block this and cross in, from in, coming in. And in trying to put in this natural successor, I'm doing air quotes, um, for Bielsa, which is nothing of the sort whatsoever, um, they have tried to run before they can walk. And it's also the same, I think, with a lot of the signings as well, going for like Cody Hakpo and players like that. Just lower your sights a little bit and do the basic shit for a bit, get as solidified in the division, and then start to build up to that mm. next level. But they're always, it's the shoot for the moon stuff again. There's a, uh, and, um, what was it? Fucking saw it out. I was idiots. about to say that. There's a, uh, yeah, it feels at times like with the whole building from Bielsa and kind of the Leeds sort of DNA style that they want to um, put in where it's all aggressive and fitness and uh, like winning the ball and tackling and, um, they love isn't it grit the word that they, they keep using I can never remember but there's been like a big misunderstanding because like Eddie Gray's there today and like Eddie Gray did not like he's probably a considerably harder man than um, than most because of the era that he played football in but you don't associate him with you know bloodthirsty tackles and you know headbutting people and knocking out um, Franny Lee we had players who did that but we also had players who were skillful and um played expansive football and dribbled and for all the times that we do like we'll replay Norman Hunter knocking Franny Lee out but we'll also replay you know Eddie Gray dribbling around six players at Burnley and kind of this idea that what it is true that what gets Ellen Road pumping is a big crunching tackle but it's also true that that's not the only thing that gets Ellen Road pumping we do actually quite like Luke Ayling's volley against Huddersfield. That's probably one of the last times when we had a crowd in when there was like a, a beautiful net-busting, amazing bit of skill that happened. And also 
it's 2022 in the Premier League when you can't breathe on another player. So like trying to build a team that's going to be all blood and thunder and fire and guts because that's what Leeds fans liked in the 1960s. Leeds fans also liked really skillful footballers in the 1960s and you probably get away with that more and it feels like it's better suited to Brendan Aronson who doesn't look like he would be able to <laughs> knock his reflection out although he's probably, <laughs> again, considerably stronger than me. So there's maybe even that stuff when that was what they were taking. When what they've taken, we're going to bring Marsh in and he's going to build on from Bielsa. We're going to take all the good stuff from that. But they've thought that the good stuff is the aggression and the running and the stuff. It's like we actually quite like Pablo Hernandez. That was that was part of the good stuff. And that wasn't just Bielsa. That was Pablo himself was able to bring um, something that we've just um, don't seem to have our eye on whatsoever. I don't know, maybe Hackpo would have been... I want to do it. I don't care about him. Is he just a scum bastard in Wales? <laughs> and this one we've gone dead long, so we'll uh, we will bring it to an end there. Um, Longer than Jesse Marsh's job prospects, eh? Um, what's your your summary, your summary thoughts on it, Michael? Does he stay? Does he just go? Sack him. I suspect he doesn't seem like they're going to. If, if what Marsh is, if we're going to believe what Marsh has said that he's spoken to the board and they're backing him, but it's just not. It's not happening. It's going to be tough, isn't it? Because he's. What does he do against Liverpool? Are we, we going to beat them? We'll, no, we'll, we'll win. We'll do something stupid like win if he stays, won't we'll, we? We'll It'll lose. just confuse us mm. all even some more. We'll I suppose the Brendan Rodgers thing is... Well, there's two things have happened uh, this weekend, isn't there? Villa have sacked Gerrard and they've gone and spanked Brentford. Was it 3-0? 4. 4 in the end. And then Leicester have stuck with Brendan Rodgers and they've gone and spanked Wolves. 4. But they had good bits. Brendan Rodgers has a good record at Leicester. Yeah. He, we, the Leicester have seen... Jesse Marsh has a good record in Austria. Junior Furpo had a good record at Real Betis. I'm, that's at the same club as I'm talking about. Pat Bamford has a good record at Leeds. Not recently. <laughs> Not yeah. for a long time, he doesn't. I, I expected... Uh, one of my disappointments of the day was Pat Bamford's haircut. Because mm. he was on um, Instagram with uh, having it chopped. Mm. But then it looked exactly the same. I was hoping for a mohawk. Mm. Maybe dyed purple or something. Just thinking about haircuts, let's finish on a positive. And it was nice to see Luke Aylin back. Let's finish on that. Yeah. Yeah, Pat Mr. Vendon at set pieces. Apart from that, well... <laughs> no, it was... I thought I thought it was good actually. It was. Um, yeah. I'm surprised he's not been sent out for the post match stuff because it's normally Luke Ayling's job, isn't exactly. it? One with Big Fran on the boys, what, boys have got to take this. Uh, uh, he does his best. Uh, be back Monday morning uh, with Phil doing the Phil Hay show, and then we will gather together for propaganda. Let's say it's good that we've, we've tweaked the format of propaganda, so we don't have to uh, indulge ourselves in too much leads if it's bad. We'll just listen to the Fulham fans. Saying, well, we've got. We'll be dick up of a raid. We've got bits of um, over and over. bits of Leicester as well in this game. One of them, so that's going to be a hoot. Nah, just, <laughs> just delete all those if you drive, <laughs> mate. Oh, there we go. We'll wrap it up there. Then thank you for watching and listening. We will see you in a bit. The match ball. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.